This morning, I, I feel that as a church, we need to be sensitive to what God is doing uh, around the earth and respond to that and uh, go with what God is doing to become aware, to become sensitive and uh, begin to move in that direction. You know, many of you have heard about, many of you have heard what's been happening at Lakeland and the outpouring of God's spirits in Lakeland or what's called the Florida Healing Outpouring or simply the Lakeland Outpouring. Uh, many of you have been watching it on God TV. How many of you have been watching it on God TV? Let me see. All right, not that many. Okay, the rest of you, please find somebody who does have God TV coming in their home. Go and watch at least this evening or tomorrow uh, and see what God is doing. Uh, just to give you a quick background of what happens and uh, then take it forward from there as to what we need to do in response to that as a church. You know, uh, Pastor Stephen Strader, pastor of uh, Ignited Church in Lakeland, I mean, he was just doing what every pastor would do. He planned out the events for the month of April and the month of May, and he sent out an email. So, in fact, on March, uh, on the 20th of March, he sent an email to all the members of his congregation, you know, telling them, here's what's coming up. You know, March 30th, there's going to be... Uh, a special meeting with a worship leader. Uh, April 2 to 6 for five days. There's going to be special meetings with Todd Bentley. Then April 16, there's Jim White coming. And April 18 and 19, there's a youth conference. And April 24 to 27, there's a minister's conference. And April 28, there is a, a men's meeting. And all that's, And uh, May 11 to 12, there's a healing crusade. And May 24th and 25th, there is Omega Force coming. So he just, you know, sent out an email to his people saying, you know, here's our plan for all of April. And here's our plan for all of May. Just doing what every pastor would normally do uh, to keep his congregation informed. The Ignited Church uh, was a reasonable sized church. Uh, their auditorium can seat about 700 people. So I suppose the congregation was about that strength. And so uh, April 2nd came, Todd Bentley came to uh, do the meetings at Ignited Church. Uh, uh, April, uh, April 3rd, uh, Pastor Stephen sends out this email to people in his congregation. He says, Dear Ignited friends, uh, the opening night with Todd Bentley was incredible. We had a full house at Ignited Church in Lakeland, Florida. The meetings continue, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, just trying to make sure everybody comes. Uh, the worship times, uh, the worship time on Wednesday night was awesome with Roy Fields. Uh, Roy is also an evangelist and he'll be preaching Thursday morning and I'll get you a report as soon as possible. Uh, Todd had a teaching anointing following him on Wednesday night and he taught on revival and healing. Uh, I'll send you some of my notes later, you know, typical pastor, I'll send you my notes later. Uh, just to make sure, let his congregation know he's taking notes. Uh, then he says, he laid hands on all the sick, many were healed and touched by God's power. And here are a few testimonies. And so he sends a regular email, May 3rd, just to keep everybody updated what's happening uh, and the meetings. But then on May, on, sorry, this was April 3rd. So April 2nd, the meeting started. April 3rd, this email goes out. Then on April 5th, he sends out this email. He says, Dear friends, uh, the revival will be extended another week. Uh, when I stepped into the sanctuary Friday night, the atmosphere was different than I've ever felt before. There was an intense praise and worship. Expectancy was in the air. But something was definitely different. Todd was looking at me with this look. And I heard myself say to him, If you want to go another week, we're ready. He nearly exploded. He started telling me all of the things that were happening throughout the time prior to the service. Prophetic words and confirmations that we should extend the meeting. 
He then got up and told the congregation. The place went wild. He had he had me share all my feelings with the congregation. I had two of our prophetic members share prophecies. All in agreement, full steam ahead. There is just too much to share. Then I ha- then I had everyone to get on their knees and humble themselves before God. This was a sober moment. The healing movement from Central Florida was being birthed. I'm skipping over so much, but I'm trying to give you the highlights. That's him saying in his email. Uh, Todd, Todd told everyone, I want to release this healing anointing over every person. Tonight is a commissioning. There was a holiness in the room. The weight of God's glory was incredible. Todd shared his experience with a healing angel. He told everyone how he felt the healing angel touches back several times in the Thursday night meeting. Suddenly the air shifted and Todd began to give words of knowledge and then he kind of lifts up all the kinds of miracles happening, healings and miracles taking place. There is still time to get here Saturday and he gives the timings, timings and so on. And he says, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is there even in the old floor room, Pastor Stephen. So what happened? Suddenly they began to sense that this was not just regular, you know, five nights of revival meetings, goodbye, thank you for being here, and wait for the next event to come up. They canceled everything else. And what started on April 2nd is going on till today, more than 30 days in continuous. God is doing something. You know, this is not just a regular revival meeting. You know, we're going to have a special speaker. They cancel all the other programs, all the youth conference, ministry conference, healing conference, everything canceled. They had guest speakers coming, bands coming, all that canceled just to go with what they sensed God was doing. And uh, May 10th, that's yesterday, Todd Bentley sends this email out. I want you to listen to this email that he wrote yesterday. He just sent it out to all those who are, uh, uh, you know, participating in that he says the glory of the lord has been steadily increasing as we all come together with one voice in unison declaring desperation for his presence even though i have said it many times i can still truly say that the presence has been overwhelming as we cry out in extended times of worship before the throne of our king it has been very difficult to get off the floor during these times of worship and the miracles are outstanding In just five days, we heard testimonies from more than 32 individuals that got out of their wheelchairs. Tumors and deaf ears are healed nightly. Sometimes there are hundreds in line to give their testimony. The crowds continue to grow as guests from all over the world come in. We expect 20,000 people to attend the meeting this weekend alone. What began in a church of about 700 people today, they're having about 20,000 people coming together. They have rented the biggest facility available in Lakeland and spending time in worship and seeking God. Let me continue his email. He says, God continues to pour out His glory in an awesome way. World leaders have come to receive. And he mentions many names, Heidi Baker, Randy Clark, John Kilpatrick, Steve Hill, and many others have attended. This outpouring is not just about miracles. Thousands of leaders and pastors have received impartation. And the fire is spreading throughout the globe. England, Ireland, UK, and many other locations overseas, as well as here in North America, with locations such as Oregon and the East Coast. All these locations are holding extended meetings in their own churches, where they have even been showing the live web stream or telecast from the Lakeland Revival meetings. There are reports of fire falling in Iowa, California, Georgia, and Fort Mill, and at Rick Joyner's Morning Star Fellowship Church. This anointing is very contagious, and hundreds of churches and ministries are now hosting overflow rooms. 
as many of you are aware, thousands of souls have been saved already during these revival meetings. These meetings are continuing to be aired on God TV in more than 214 nations and more than 138 million homes. Something is happening, saints, and you and I need to be aware of it. Amen. There is a visitation of God that is being released on the earth at such a time as this. And you and I cannot afford to be mere spectators. It's not enough to sit and watch, watch it on God TV and feel excited about it. There is something that God is doing and you and I must respond correctly to what God is doing. Amen. In Luke the 19th chapter, verses 35 to 44, the Bible tells us about Jesus. As he is ready to enter into Jerusalem, he is seated on a donkey, he is riding into Jerusalem. And his disciples are going wild. They're all excited that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They are throwing out their red robes on the, their robes on the garment, trying to give him a red carpet welcome. And you know the Pharisees say, tell your disciples to stop this. Stop this, Tamasa. You know, stop all this stuff. And here's what Jesus responds as he says in verse, uh, verse, 13, verse 40, he says, you know, he says, if I tell them to keep silent, the stones will cry out. Meaning, you can't stop what God is doing. You can't stop it. And then he says, you know, as he comes near Jerusalem, he sees the city of Jerusalem. And what happens? Verse 41, he weeps over the city. And he tells Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only known, especially in this your day, the things that are meant for your peace... But now they are hidden from your eyes. He's saying, Jerusalem, listen, wake up. God is doing something to bring peace, but to bring well-being, to bring wholeness, to bring salvation. But Jerusalem, your eyes are blinded. You can't see what God is doing. And what's the consequence? Verse 43 says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an emba emba embankment around you and surround you and close you on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you, they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So there was a visitation from God. Just that it came in the form of someone riding on a donkey. It didn't look too attractive. It didn't look too appealing. It wasn't, you know, the king coming on a chariot of gold, withdrawn by 500 horses. It was the God of glory coming, riding on a donkey. And the, the Pharisees were so blinded by this, they couldn't see it. And because of it, he says, because you didn't recognize your day of visitation, destruction is coming. Meaning he's saying, if you had recognized this, it would have meant peace for you, no destruction. And sure enough, 80, 40 Roman, Romans came in and leveled Jerusalem to the ground. The point I want to bring to our attention is this. There are days of visitation. Like it says in 1 Peter 2.12, there are days of visitation. And what Jesus was doing in, in riding upon the donkey was really fulfilling prophecy. In Zechariah 9 and verse 9, Zechariah prophesied, Jerusalem, your king will come to you riding on a donkey. So what Jesus was doing was literally fulfilling what God had spoken. And yet the eyes of the people were so blinded they could not recognize the day of visitation. I want to tell just saints that we must recognize the visitations of God on the earth. Jesus spoke once again in Matthew 16, 1-3. He uh, spoke to the Pharisees and Sadducees and he said, you know, you look at the heavens and look at the sky and you can tell, you know, the weather is going to be good. Or you can see it all dark and you can say, you know, it's going to be bad weather. But how is it that you cannot discern the signs of the times? Meaning, how is it you can't recognize what's happening in the spirit very before, just right before your eyes? 
the way we can recognize weather conditions, we must recognize spiritual conditions. Are you with me, saints? When God gives a sign, when God's doing something in the realm of the Spirit, we must recognize it and respond to it. We must know the times of visitation of God or else we'll miss the very thing that God is doing right in front of our eyes. We began this year by saying that this is a year of outpouring. How many of you remember that? That God's going to release a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. And I, and I don't think it's just mere coincidence on what's happening around the world. I don't think it's just coincidence. I don't think it's just coincidence that there is technology that's taking programs live from Lakeland all over the world and the fire is spreading. I don't think it's just coincidence. I think God designed this for our day, for our hour, for a time that we are in. There is an outpouring of God happening right now. There's a visitation of God on the earth. Or to use a technical term, revival is taking place right now. You know, and revival is nothing new. Throughout the Old Testament, we see times of revival in the Bible. In, in the time of Jonah, when Jonah came and preached to Nineveh, the whole city repented. That's revival. In the times of Hezekiah, in the times of Josiah, in the times of Ezra the scribe, there was revival in Israel. The whole nation was turning back to God. In the New Testament, we see times of visitations and outpourings. Jesus himself was God visiting man. It was a visitation. The Bible says people who were sitting in darkness saw great light. Those in the region of shadow of death, to them light sprung up. There was a divine visitation of God when Jesus walked the earth. This was God in flesh and yet not many could recognize it. The early church, the church was birthed in an outpouring of God. When God poured out his spirit in a powerful way, the church was born. It was an outpouring. It is a visitation fulfilling Joel's prophecy. And throughout the book of Acts, we see visitations of God in Samaria, Acts 8, in uh, Lydda and Sharon, Acts 9, in Ephesus, in Acts 19. God moved into these places, into these cities, these towns, these villages, and whole cities, towns, villages were swept by the power of God. Visitations, outpourings, revivals. Christian history is full of that. There are many, many names and areas and regions that have experienced mighty visitations of God and the list is just, just numerous and I just want to mention some names that you and I might identify. John Wycliffe was a man used by God to bring revival. Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Charles Finney, one of the greatest revivals in his time. Evan Roberts of Wales. In our time, in our day, revival, outpouring, visitations are happening around the world. Argentina has experienced great outpourings. Toronto, many of you might uh, be familiar with the Toronto Blessing. Mexico has seen it. And one of the largest and most sustained revivals in recorded history took place in Brownsville Assembly of God, where the revival continued non-stop of up to eight years. It wasn't like one year. Up to eight years, every day, people flooding the place with the move of God. Shalom that we heard about last year. And many others around the world. God's outpouring, times of visitation, revival is actually happening all over the world. Amen. We are living in a time of the latter rain. It's happening. It's pouring out all over the world. We're living in exciting times. And we need to see the signs of the times and respond to it correctly. So what is it? What is an outpouring? What is a visitation? What is a revival? An outpouring simply means that the heavens have been torn open and God's presence is released upon men like rain. It's pouring. This time it's not just pouring water. It's not just pouring cats and dogs. It's pouring the presence of God. When you come to church, it's no longer a dry, dead, monotonous service. You come in and you're soaked in the presence of God. You get wet. You come in dry, you leave soaked, branch, dripping with the presence of God. That is an outpouring. And when it rains, 
It's beautiful because you can, it's refreshing. The weather cools. There's a change in the atmosphere. So there's a change in the spiritual atmosphere in the house of God when it rains, when there's an outpouring. It brings refreshing. It brings reviving. Now it does get messy a bit. You get splashed when you walk on the roadsides. Amen. You can't, you know, your shoes, you, you, you wear 4,000 rupees shoes. You've got to be careful where you step. You might step into a puddle. It's a little messy. Our schedules get blown out. Our plans get blown out. But because God's outpouring out himself upon us, it's worth everything. What's a visitation? A visitation is simply God walking amongst us. How many of you would like God to visit us? I mean, if Jesus walked through that door, what would you do? I mean, I'm sure you'll all stop listening to me. I mean, you will go after him. That's a visitation. It's God amongst us. It's God moving us amongst us and and just imagine when jesus comes to you and touches you you think you're going to be that same old no something's going to happen you might be on the floor you might be praising god you might get healed you might get delivered that's a visitation when there are mighty signs miracles encounters and change lives what is a revival to revive means to flourish or blossom anew to live again some of us may be sitting here saying you know man i'm just as dry as a bone i'm as dead as a twig that's been cut off from the from the tree i'm dead i need some reviving that's what we're talking about we're talking about revival god bringing back to life that which is dry that which is dead cause god causing uh, things to flourish what seemed to be dead amen how many of us want a visitation how many of us want an outpouring how many of us want a revival some of us are not sure it's okay to raise your hand amen and what does a visitation look like? What does an outpouring look like? What does a revival look like? Now, there are many, many books on revival. Many, many people who studied hundreds of revivals, compared revivals, outpourings, visitations. And here's a summary of it. There are 11 key aspects of what we can call a visitation or an outpouring or a revival. I mean, use what terminology you wish. As long as God shows up, that's enough. What does it look like? First, there's a revolutionary change in lives conviction to the most stubborn obstinate believers and i'm just taking this out from uh, a book called images of revival uh, by richard and catherine Riss. their analysis and their study on this a revolutionary change in lives there's a conviction to the most stubborn obstinate unbelievers there's repentance and a conviction of sin and an awareness of god's judgment number two there's emotional excitement about what god is doing amen it's okay to be emotionally excited god designed your emotions it's good amen Somebody says he's so emotional. Be happy. God created it. Amen. So get emotional. There's an emotional excitement about what God is doing. When you see people heal, when you see people touch, when you see people totally changed, at least a smile must come. There's a vivid sense of God's presence. You can feel there are tangible manifestations of the presence of God. We'll talk more about it in coming Sundays. There's a new and refreshing atmosphere in the community. This spills over into the community. There are extended periods of seeking God, either in worship or prayer or fasting. There is total freedom in the spirit. God steps in and he breaks our molds. Lift your hands up and say, God, break my molds. You know, I don't know what molds you were put in. I was put in a Methodist mold. And when God steps in, he breaks the Methodist mold. Thanks be to God. Amen. And God needs to break our mold so that he can be God in our lives. So what happens? There is, there is total freedom in the spirit. You're free to enjoy God and express your love, your adoration, and your devotion to God. You're free. You don't have to do it a certain set, particular way. There is new vitality to the church. Secular media begins to report of what God is doing in the community. There's a great harvest of new people coming into the church. 
There are supernatural demonstrations. There's a visible manifestation of God's presence and power. There are divine encounters, angelic visitations, increased dreams and visions. There are demonic deliverances and physical healings. And then there is unity of believers. Believers begin to come together and say, hey, forget it. You know, you're APC, I'm, you know, BBC, I'm CBC, whatever. Forget all that. We're here where God's presence is. This is what happens when there's a visitation of God, when there's an outpouring of God, when there's a revival breaking out amongst us. The early church is a classic example in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. You read about it. It's a classic example of what happens when a visitation takes place, when there's an outpouring, when there's a revival. So our next question will be, what causes revival to take place? What causes an outpouring of God? What causes a, a breakthrough in the Spirit? What causes God's presence to be poured out upon us? Now, some may say it's a sovereign work of God, and in many cases it is. People aren't expecting God to show up and suddenly he just shows up, scares everybody, disrupts everybody's life. So in some cases, it is a sovereign work of God. But the Bible teaches us and history shows us that more often it is God's people purposefully pressing into God and the heavens breaking open and God unleashing his presence on them. That's more often than just a sovereign work. Look at these scriptures with me. The prophet Hosea is speaking to a backslidden nation in Hosea. And look at how he speaks to them in Hosea chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, you know, with their flocks and herds, they go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. So here's the starting point. God has withdrawn himself. That's a sad place to be. I mean, can you imagine coming to church and God is not here? That's what, that was the state. That was the condition. Of the people of Israel, God had withdrawn himself. You know, it says, these people don't really need me. They're not really hungry for me. God had withdrawn himself. But then Hosea comes back in chapter 6 and verse 1 to 3. And he says, you know, he's calling the nation. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. Meaning after a period of time, he will revive us. We have to return. Some time will go. He will revive. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Look at verse 3. He says, let us know. Let us pursue. Everybody say pursue. Let us pursue. Let's say it together. Let us pursue. So Hosea says, let us pursue the knowledge of God. Let's pursue knowing him, going after him. Let us return. Let us know this. Let us pursue God. Look. God has withdrawn himself from us, but there's something you and I can do. Let us return. Let us pursue the knowledge of God. What will happen? His going forth is established as the morning. Here's what he will certainly do. He will come to us like the rain. Let's say it together. He will come to us like the rain. So Hosea is saying, listen guys, if we return, if we pursue he will come to us like the rain. At this moment, God is withdrawn. At this moment, you can't feel His presence. At this moment, He seems to be far away. At this moment, you, we are dry, broken. But if we return, if we pursue, He will come to us like the rain. And in chapter 10 and verse 12, He makes His call once again. He says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. He says, break up your fallow ground. The fallow ground simply means uncultivated ground. Uh, and a ground that has been neglected. Break it up. Start plowing into it. Break up your fallow ground. 
Why? Because it is time to seek the Lord. What was the condition? The condition God had withdrawn. They were not feeling anything. But Hosea says it's time to seek the Lord. What time is a good time to seek the Lord? Everybody say anytime. All the time. Hosea comes and says it is time to seek the Lord. And what will happen? It's time to seek the Lord till He comes and reigns on us. Reigns righteousness on us. Break up your fallow ground areas of our lives that are uncultivated that we are neglecting break it up we are satisfied with a certain piece of land i'm cultivating this i'm very happy god says hey step out of your own boundary start plowing on some ground that you never stepped into break up your fallow grounds step into a territory that you've left neglected you've put a boundary for yourself and this is all you're doing but break up your fallow grounds do it till he comes and rains on you and in Zechariah chapter 10 is a powerful promise. The prophet Zechariah says this, Ask the Lord for rain. Let's all say together, say together, Ask the Lord for rain. What does the Bible tell us? It says, Ask the Lord for rain. Ask the Lord for rain. Ask Him for rain. When? In the time of the latter rain. Are we in the time of the latter rain? It's happening around the world. We are in the time of the latter rain. The Bible says, Ask the Lord for rain. Hey, if it's raining out there, if it's raining out there, if it's raining over there, we can ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. We can ask for rain. God says, ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. And what will happen? What will happen? The Lord will make flashing clouds and He will give them showers of rain. He didn't say God might. God will think about it. He says, God will. Everybody say, God will. God will. It says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And He will make bright clouds. And He will give rain to every grass in the field. He will do it. Acts 3 verse 19 tells us, repent and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. So we have repented. We have been converted. But we are staying right there. What's our next benefit? Times of refreshing from the presence of God. How many have been? How many of us have repented? You can say Amen. We've repented. We are converted, but we stay right there. Our legacy, our privilege is to get into seasons of refreshing from the presence of God. Let's get started. Let's have our first season of refreshing from the presence of God. Amen. So when we pursue the presence of God, what will happen? A season of refreshing will be released upon us. Charles Finney, probably one of the greatest revivalists. The church has ever seen or known of he was a man when he went into small towns and cities entire towns and cities will fall on their knees in repentance before god many times he didn't have to preach just the fact that he stepped into that town brought repentance and uh, in the transcripts of his lectures on revivals of religion this particular transcript is what a revival of religion is here's what finney has to say i'll try to read it it's kind of an old english so just turn on your king james version english and try to listen please I'm reading a bigger passage than what's on the screen, but here's what Finney said. He said, I said that a revival is a result of the right use of the appropriate means. So revival comes when we do the right things, when we use the appropriate means. The means which God has enjoined for the production of a revival, doubtless has a natural tendency to produce a revival, meaning if God has set a certain way to do it, when we do it, we will get revival. Otherwise, God would not have enjoined them. That means God would not have given them to us. But means will not produce a revival, we all know, without the blessing of God. So he says, yes, we know that means without the blessing will not produce revival. No more will grain when it is sowed produces a crop without the blessing of God. It is impossible for us to say that there is 
not as direct an influence or agency from God to produce a crop of grain as there is to produce a revival. Meaning, hey, he's saying revival is the same way. Uh, to, to have revival, we do the same thing a farmer does to produce a crop. What are the laws of nature according to which it is supposed that grain yields a crop? They are nothing but the con constituted manner of the operations of God. In the Bible, the word of God is compared to grain and preaching is compared to sowing seed and the results are springing up and growth of the crop. And the result is just as philosophical in the one case as in the other and is as naturally connected with the cause. Or more correctly, a revival as, is as naturally a result of the use of the appropriate means as a crop is the use of its appropriate means. So he's saying, you get revival the same way you get your harvest. It's the same thing. The farmer, so let me continue, he says, it is true that religion does not properly belong to the category of cause and effect. But although it is not caused by means, yet it has its occasion and may as naturally and certainly result from its occasion as a crop does from its cause. I wish this idea to be impressed on all your minds. For there has long been an idea prevalent that promoting religion has something very peculiar in it. Not to be judged off by the ordinary rules of cause and effect. In short, that there is no connection of the means with the result and no tendency in the means to produce the result. No doctrine is more dangerous than this to the prosperity of the church and nothing more absurd. So he's saying, you know, people say in the, in, the, in the things of the spirit, there is no direct relation between the means and the, and the, the cause and the effect. But he's saying that's, that's not right. When you do something, you're going to get the end result is what he's trying to say. And he continues, suppose a man were go to go and preach this doctrine among farmers about their sowing grain, let him tell them that God is a sovereign and will give them a crop only when it pleases him and that for them to plow and plant and labor as if they expected to raise a crop is very wrong and taking the work out of the hands of God that it interferes with his sovereignty and is going on in their own strength and that there is no connection between the means and the result on which they can depend and now suppose a farmer should believe such doctrine why they would starve the world to death. I mean, what he's saying is, if you go tell a farmer, farmer, the harvest is a sovereign work of God's. If you sow, if you till the ground, you sow, you water, you're interfering with God's sovereignty. Don't do that. And if the farmer believed you, Finney is saying, we'll all be starving to death. So, and there's so much more that he shares on revival. The point I wanted to get across is Charles Finney, a, a man who knows about revival, says this. He says, revival is no more the result of us seeking God as it is that the harvest is the result of a farmer sowing, planting, nurturing for a crop. Meaning you can have revival if you want it. Amen. Can we journey into a revival? Can we journey into a visitation of God? Can we journey into an outpouring? The Bible says yes. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 it says that you will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your so the same thing is repeated in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. The Bible says, if you will seek me, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. So church, I want to encourage us this morning. It is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. You and I have a choice. We can continue with church as usual. You know, if you want me to give you series and messages for the next 20 years, I can do it. No problem. Series after series, message after message. We can do it. There's no, no problem. We can continue with church as usual. Or we can say, God, I need something more than this. God, I need a visitation. I need an outpouring. I need revival. Hosea says, break up your fallow ground. That means I need to begin to start breaking up some ground that I've left 
that I've been neglecting. I'm, con I'm satisfied with this piece of land that I'm so familiar with. But he says, break up your fallow ground. I need to break up the fallow ground of my time. I'm so comfortable with 15 minutes with God every day. I'm comfortable with 30 minutes with God every day. But this morning, the Bible's telling us, come on, break up that time, that two hours of your time that you spend in some unnecessary things. Break it up. Start cultivating that time in prayer. Maybe there are areas of my life that my character, you know, I'm so comfortable being holy and righteous in these areas and those areas, you know, I don't want to bother about, you know, after all, it's not, you know, nobody else knows about it. Hey, the Bible is saying, break up your fellow ground. Break up those grounds that you've left uncultivated, you've neglected. It's time to seek the Lord till He comes and reigns on us. Church, you and I have a choice. Last year, we saw the Shalom revival come and go. We remained as spectators. There's another outpouring on the earth, many outpourings taking place on the earth today. You and I can be happy as spectators, or you and I can seek the Lord and invite an outpouring, a revival, a visitation. I believe we are standing on the threshold of an outpouring of God for us as a church. We are on the threshold. We can either step in or just walk away from it. It's our choice. Now here are some common questions that some of us might ask. It says, you know, what if nothing happens? You know, what if I start seeking God? What if I start breaking up my fallow ground? What if I start doing what you're saying of pursuing God and, and nothing happens? But don't let that prevent you from trying. You won't know until you try. And I can guarantee you based on the word of God that something will happen. Because God said, if you search for me, you'll find me. He said, if you ask for rain, he will give rain. He, he said, if you pursue him, he will come to you. So something was bound to happen. What if I get disappointed? I mean, if what if, you know, gold dust doesn't fall from the sky and uh, I don't see Jesus, I don't see angels. What if, you know, I don't get healed? What if mighty miracles don't take place? You know, what if nothing spectacular happens and we are pressing in to seek God? Listen, one thing is certain. When we get into the presence of God, you and I won't be the same. Amen. So even if an angel doesn't show up, if gold doesn't drop from the sky, and if I don't find diamonds in my Bible, hey, it doesn't matter. As long as I press into the presence of God, I know I won't remain the same. Will it cost me something? Of course it will. And God visits us, life will not be usual. Our world's going to be altered in many ways. Our time, our commitment, our busy schedules, our comforts, our church as we know it, you know, the, uh, the messages, all that is going to just be blown apart. Because God is bigger than all of this. So will it cost us something? Of course, it will cost us something. Will I get tired? Not when God is raining on you. If our heart is truly set on seeking God and entering the presence of God, I can guarantee you that you can spend three hours seeking God and come out refreshed. Amen. But if we want to do something so that God TV can come here, that's really going to be a lot of work. If our motives are right and we are solely intent on seeking Him and His presence, we cannot help but be revived. Say, so, well, pastor, you know, it's wonderful to have a season of revival. It's wonderful to have a season of outpouring. It's wonderful to have a season of visitation. What happens after that? But life will return to normal. But you'll be at a different level in the spirit. You'll be walking at a new level of glory. Because the Bible says we go from glory to glory. The world around you and you in the world will be different. And we need to make, of course, every effort to sustain the fruits of revival. Others will lose them. So a season of refreshing will come we'll go through that season but we'll end up better than where we are we'll end up in a higher level uh, we will end up with greater in a greater realm of glory greater level of walking with god and if we can sustain that we can rise up to the next level because we go from glory to glory i want us to come as a church to come into a place where we're living in a continuous outpouring that means every time we come into the house of god the presence of god is so strong that miracles happen every day that god interrupts our day every day that we experience the visitations of God and it just becomes normal for us 
The choice is ours. Will we press in? Will we say, Lord, open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain? Or are you and I going to say, God, I'm happy with the sip I have every Sunday morning. That's enough for me. Or are you going to say this morning, God, open the floodgates of heaven. Lord, let it rain. Lord, let it rain. We are hungry. We are thirsty. Let it rain. Church, I want to challenge each one of us to do something this week. On Wednesday, I'm going to meet with our pastors and and talk about how we have to respond, what we need to do to respond to what God is doing. But this week, I want each one of us to begin to start breaking up the fallow ground in our lives. Those uncultivated areas, it could be your time. You're satisfied with 15 minutes. Come on, break up some new time with God. Step into an half an hour, move into an hour with God every day. Break up the fallow ground and begin to seek God because it is time to seek the Lord. Say, but pastor, I have so many needs in my life. I need, I need all kinds of miracles. I, I prefer going to somebody just lays hands on me and boom, gives me the miracle. You know, that's enough for me, God, for me, pastor. I don't want to seek God, you know, spend hours and hours and hours. Listen, we're not looking for a temporary fix. We're looking to move into a new level. So you can find somebody who lays hands on you and gives you an instant miracle. But you'll need to keep running for those miracles over and over again. Or you can say, God, I want to get into a new level and your realm with you. Experience more of your presence, a greater glory. And what will happen? Our problems will be taken care of because the Bible says that the hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. All your hills, all your mountains will just melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be lifted high in the presence of the Lord. So it's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. This week, do something. To seek the Lord. In your life, ask Him for you personally, Lord, I want an outpouring. I want revival. I want a visitation. The Bible says if you ask for rain, He will come to you like the rain. He'll do it. Amen. I want to call the worship team out. We're going to seek the Lord right now. Let's begin right now. Let's begin right now. Just to say, God, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Open up the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. Lord, open up the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain, God. Lord, we are not satisfied with our mundane Christianity God we're not satisfied with church as we know it we're not satisfied with what we have tasted we thank you for it but we need more we know there is so much more we know this is the time of the latter rain we know it's raining around the world God we want some rain right here open up the floodgates of heaven let's sing it open up the floodgates of heaven let it rain let it rain let it rain just get it get on a time of seeking God right now We're going to tell God, God, I'm hungry. I am thirsty. I want some revival in my life. I want an outpouring in my life. I want a visitation, God. I want more than what I have. Let's all begin to cry out before God.